right. Well, <clears throat> it is good to have you here. And if you have your Bibles, you can open them and go to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to be. Now, if you have a smartphone, you can actually follow around. If you open up uh, version and click on events, you can find Element City Church. All the scriptures we're going to look at and a lot of the points and notes from my, uh, my talk are in there. And you can follow along on that as well, as long as you promise not to play Pac-Man. So, um, Really glad you're here tonight, and as we were worshiping, it's just sweet uh, to gather together to worship, and, and uh, I love to do that just with our whole Elements family, so we're grateful that you're here, and we've been in this series called Not a Fan, and tonight we're wrapping that up, and next week, uh, Brandon's going to share a couple weeks on faith, looking at Hebrews 11 and 12, and I think you, you'll want to hear a lot of those things, and we're excited for that, and then we'll move into Father's Day from there. So tonight... Uh, we're kind of in this conversation winding down. So if you just jumped in, uh, you're going to hear some things tonight that we talked about the very first week. We talked about actually throughout this whole process uh, when Brian shared a little bit, when I've been sharing some. And uh, in this, I hope that it's going to stir you to maybe take uh, an assessment of where you are with Jesus. And so I, I know that may be a little bit uncomfortable, uh, but I really want to encourage you to go there with me uh, tonight and to really, for honestly, like for you and in, in Jesus to have an assessment. Uh, we talked about this DTR, that from time to time, Jesus would have these DTRs. He'd have this define the relationship kind of talk with people. And, and we're going to look at one of those instances tonight as we continue to look at this notion that Jesus wants more than fans. Remember, we defined fans as an enthusiastic admirer. I'm a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That may not, you may not like that, but I'm a fan. I love it. There you go. Um, but I'm just a fan. Like, I, I'm not a player, <laughs> as you could tell. Um, but I'm a fan. I'm an enthusiastic admirer, but that's all I am of them. And, and what Jesus is looking for is something more than just people who will cheer from the stands. He's calling to something more. And to get where we're going tonight, I want to talk about bread. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if you like bread. How many of you like bread? How many of you Atkins diet like you don't eat? Car like That's so sad. Um, but you can't have any of this bread then. Um, this is really good bread. It's from a bakery. It's, it was just, it, it's a really good bread. And I want you to think about like good bread that you had. Now, I don't know if you grew up in a house that like had the smell of bread or muffins. I'm making you hungry right now. I would come home from high school and it's early on, a uh, long time ago, because I'm old, but uh, it's just a long time ago and like bread makers were, had just come out type thing and my mom would make this bread in this bread maker. Technically, she would just put the stuff in and then it would make throughout the day, right? And you come home and it's like fresh, warm bread. Can I get an amen? Warm bread is the best, right? Okay, so warm bread, I come home, peanut butter and jelly, it's awesome, it's super good, or just plain butter sometimes. Maybe there's other things that you would put on it, but I want you to think about bread for you. And like some people call for bread, it's just, it's, it's fine. Uh, bread matters, it's important. And um, maybe you think about restaurants that you go out to, okay? In fact, turn to your neighbor right here. I want you to tell them the best bread you've had at a restaurant. You've got 15 seconds, ready, set, go. The best bread you've had at a restaurant that you can remember, that you can recall. How many of you would say Olive Garden breadsticks? Come on. Okay. There, maybe you throw a little salad in there to make, you feel, make yourself feel better. But that's a good one, right? Uh, how many of you say Texas Roadhouse? Yes. Yes. That's a double amen worthy, I think. 
Uh, my personal favorite, um, and you may not go there a lot, but Red Lobster Cheese Bread. Have you, I'm, I'm telling you, we should go there tonight. Uh, but anyway, so cheesy bread. I'm, I'm telling you, did you know you can actually call Red Lobster and pick up cheesy bread on the way home? I, we figured this out. I'm super excited. Um, but like bread is so good. Now, you need protein. You need other things to happen. But bread, you can actually sustain yourself pretty well on bread and water. That's why they call it bread and water. And that's why people have used this as like torture treatments and all that kind of stuff. But you can actually make it for a while on bread and water. It can be sustaining to you. And what's interesting is the story we're going to look at tonight revolves around bread. And Jesus begins to define some things about it. And more so than just maybe the bread or loaf that you talk about or your favorite restaurant or something like that. So in John chapter 6, Jesus kind of gets into the story. And things are transpiring. There's lots of people that have shown up to hear Jesus, this rabbi who's been traveling around. And they understand that not only is he a miracle worker, not only is he a good teacher, but there's some things beginning to stir even in a political realm. So you have to understand the Jewish people are under uh, the time of Rome, right? And so they're looking for a leader. And they're looking for a leader to rise up and overthrow Rome, and that's really what's on the forefront of their mind. And Jesus comes around, and he comes along, and fans, lots of fans, begin to follow around Jesus. They begin to lean into his teaching and realize, okay, this isn't just for the spiritually elite or those that have the spiritually good credit score. It's like this is, he's talking about a kind of life that anybody can have and a life with God, and he's inviting people into this, and then he begins to have this conversation, and he looks around, one day he's teaching on the side of the Sea of Galilee, and there's, uh, they were told 5,000 people there. Now, 5,000 men is actually what we're told. More than likely, it, it may be upwards of fifteen to 20,000 people who have spent the entire day with Jesus, and Jesus turns to one of his disciples and said, hey, we got to feed these people. Like, they've been here the whole day listening to me teach. Like, they got to be hungry. I'm getting hungry. Do you have any food? And one of the disciples just scoffs. He's like, are you? <laughs> There's no Taco Bell yet, Jesus. And I don't know where in the world we would get food for this number. Like, it would take eight to nine months wages to go even buy enough bread for everybody. And so Jesus is beginning to try to figure this out. Meanwhile, another disciple, who's probably a go-getter, he, he walks around and he finds this little boy. And he says, this little boy's got five loaves of bread and two fish. And he brings them up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I don't got a whole lot, but this boy's got a Lunchable. Can we use it? And Jesus says, I think I can work with that, which is a side point to realize Jesus can work with just about anything that we bring to him. And even our little bit, he can use to do a whole lot with. In fact, Jesus takes this little boy's Lunchable and he multiplies it, prays and asks God to bless it, and they begin to pass it out to the people. 15,000 people. Picture a hillside covered in grass coming off the Sea of Galilee, which is already an amplifier when you speak because it's surrounded by mountains. And all of a sudden, person after person, they begin to have their fill, not just a taste, but a fill. In fact, the scripture goes on in John chapter six and says that they had leftovers. How many of you love Thanksgiving leftovers? Yeah. They had leftovers from this. From five loaves of bread and two fish, a lunchable. And Jesus feeds 15 plus thousand people 
with that. What's fascinating is in the very next line you can read in John chapter six, the people begin to realize what's happened. So much so that they begin to stir among themselves, we need to make this guy our king. And a plot begins to thicken as people are going to try to make him king by force. And so what does Jesus do? What he often does. He withdraws to a mountain to pray. He sends his disciples across the Sea of Galilee ahead of them. There's some other stories that actually happen because Jesus catches up with them walking on water. That's a small little thing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, But he catches up with them. They get to the other side. It's the next morning, and these people, well, what happens when you eat dinner, and then you go to sleep, and you wake up the next morning? You're hungry again. And so they look around for the all-you-can-eat buffet called Jesus, and they go, where'd he go? And they can't find him. And then they begin to hear rumors that he's on the other side. So they walk around to the other side of the lake and they're looking for the drive-up window, namely Jesus. And they're looking to have a conversation with him to connect with him. And then he says these words, John chapter six, verse, um, verse 26, 27. He says, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because of the, what you saw or, or not because of the miraculous but because you ate your loaves and you had your fill. And it's at this point that Jesus has this DTR talk with the fans that have gathered, that have an initiative, have an agenda of their own. And Jesus begins having this conversation and he says something like this in verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never thirst again. Jesus begins having this DTR with the people who love bread. And what he begins to say is, okay, this is something you can eat and you're satisfied for a while. But then the cravings begin to happen again. I'm the bread of life. And if you will come to me, you'll actually find a satisfaction that won't fade and that won't won't run away but you need to come to me. You need to move from being a fan to a follower of me. And Jesus has this conversation. In fact, he goes on, he has some other really difficult, challenging words to say, so much so that people are beginning to question, becoming a little bewildered about, what is he talking about? I I don't quite understand, because he says some challenging, difficult things. What Jesus is saying, in a lot of ways, is he's kind of wiping the table of all the things that are on there, and he's saying, look, you pursue so many things that try to, you try to find satisfaction and contentment in, but yet you wake up hungry and thirsty for more. But I'm telling you, if you'll come to me, then I will, I will satisfy the things, the deepest longings of your heart, but you've got to make a decision to choose me. You've got to make a decision to pursue me over all these other things. That's really what Jesus is saying. Will you choose me? Will you follow me? Will you not be a fan who who likes the all-you-can-eat buffet? That's nice. That's a perk. But will you pursue a personal relationship? Will you pursue a personal relationship and connection with me? So Jesus begins laying this out, begins having these challenging talks. In essence, what he's saying is, look, if Jesus is the only thing on the menu, is that enough for you? 
That's what he's saying. If I'm the only thing in the menu, is it enough? And here's what you begin to find. For a lot of folks, it's not. For a lot of folks, there's so many other things that they long for and want more than just the menu of Jesus and a relationship and a connection with him of life with God through him. For others, they go through challenges. I've watched people who who go through great difficulties in life. I've watched a couple go through divorce and just how that wrecks a life, right? And it fractures so many things. And they go through this whole divorce and, and it's just, stuff is struggling. And then slowly but surely, God begins doing a work in each of their lives that they actually begin to think about what would it be like to actually choose marriage again. And so they go on a date, and they go on a few other dates, and pretty soon I'm standing doing a wedding for people who are remarrying one another, only because they came to a place where they realized, you know what, everything else I thought I wanted, everything else I thought I was looking for, it didn't satisfy. And Jesus broke my heart with the reality that I said yes, and I said I do. And so I'm choosing, and that love is beginning to rekindle, and I've watched the relationship grow. I've watched in a hospital room of a young lady in a coma who doesn't have a whole lot of shot and a whole lot of hope going for her family, and people gather and we pray, and she wakes up, and I've seen a little bit of fading faith that was in that family that didn't have a whole lot, that at the end of the day when they were gotten to the place, they realized all they had was Jesus. And he was enough. I've watched as friends go through fractured relationships or lose jobs or lose um, people in their life. And in the moment, it's this incredible tragedy and it's heart-wrenching and it's heartbreaking and what you feel in that moment is that I can't go on. But in those moments, they've discovered something, that Jesus really is enough for them. And so they move forward in their faith journey. And it's not easy and it's not pretty and it's not bows and candy, it's challenging but they move forward with a courage and a hope and a faith that fuels them because they discovered along the way that even in the darkest of moments and the most challenging of times, that Jesus was actually enough. And all the other stuff is just stuff. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You can chase those other things but you'll wake up the next day and chase some more. If you want to live a life where you're actually found and treasured and filled with a hope, then come to me. That's what Jesus said. He has this challenge. He goes on, it's it's pretty crazy. In those times, you begin to realize as Jesus is going through this, he begins to say, look, am I enough to be your source of hope? Are you hanging around for just the perks? Or are you hanging around because I'm enough for you? In fact, he says some really challenging words, so much so that the crowds that were a day before were how many? 15,000, maybe. 
suddenly dwindle down to a dozen. Think about that. It'd be like this whole room left and there's two people. That's what a preacher would feel like in that minute. And so Jesus is teaching and the people are beginning to leave. The people are beginning to hear this challenge and this is what verse 66 says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Scripture tells us that wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life. Narrow is that road that says this is the way to go. I can't imagine what that would have been like in that minute. So you go from feeding with a Lunchable, 15,000 plus people, right? It's the crowds, it's the fans, it's all the hoopla. They want to raise you up as the next king. And 24 hours later, you got your best buddies left because you kind of had a DTR conversation. And you realize fans fade. And Jesus turns to his closest disciples and he says to them, are you gonna leave too? You ever wonder You ever wonder how he said that? How would you be feeling? 24 hours, they want to make a king. 24 hours later, they've all gone. And how would you say that to your best buddies, your disciples that have been following you? Do you guys want to leave too? Can you imagine the heartache? the sadness of that. It'd be maybe similar to, uh, let's say you were single, right? And uh, you ask this young lady or you ask this young man out and you go out on a date, right? And you go to the movies. And so you, you buy the popcorn and you buy the, the drink and you buy the candy and you sit there and you have a great time and, and you have a great conversation on the way home and you, you drop him off, you drop her off and you ask him out again and they say yes. And so you're like, hey, uh, well, let's go out to dinner. So you go to a little bit fancier restaurant. Maybe you go to Red Lobster to get the cheesy bread because that's so good. Um, so you go there, right? And you pay for it. The bill comes and you're like, you're, I, I got this. And so you pay for it. And the other person, oh, so that's so awesome. That's so great. And then you have this conversation. You take them home and you drop them off and you ask them out again. And this goes on for a pattern of a while and you're doing fun stuff and you're going on these adventures and all these dates. And then you're, you're like, man, I'm really hitting it off with this person. And you know the feeling when you get to that place where you're like, we got to have the talk. Like, this has got to go, like my heart is like all in this. And so you ask them on this special date and you go to the park, right? And you're walking around the park and you're having, you're pouring your heart out. And you sit down on this bench and, and you just, after you empty all of your heart of, of what you dream and what you wish and what you want for them and how the happiness you want to see in their life. And there's this long pause. And then they say to you, hey, is this our date? Um, when are we gonna go get dinner or go to the movie? I was kind of hoping for that. Are you done with your spiel yet? And how would you feel in that minute, that moment? You'd be heartbroken, wouldn't you? You're like, what the heck? And what you realized is they were there for the perks, but not for the personal relationship. I think that's how Jesus asked that question. Are you gonna go too? Are, are you just here for the perks as well? 
And then you have Peter. God love Peter. <laughs> and Peter says, where else will we go? You alone have the words of life. Where else will we go, Jesus? I don't know who else to kind of center my life around. I don't know who else would ever live up to what you do. You walked on water out to my boat. Like, you just fed 15,000 people. Like, you raised someone back from the dead. Where else would I go? I think that question, where else would I go? has a thousand questions tied to it, right? Where else, where else are you gonna find the wisdom that you see in Jesus? Where else are you gonna find the hope? Where else are you gonna find the love? Where else are you gonna find the insights? Where else are you gonna find the source of strength And I think what Peter was saying is I think what Jesus longed to hear. Jesus, I'm all in. I don't want to be a fan. I'm a follower. And wherever you go, we'll go there together. See, I think when Jesus becomes Lord of your life, then you're able to stop cheering from the stands. And you're able to say, hey, I'm gonna follow you on the road of life. With every twist, every turn, every challenge that comes our way, I'm all in. I think Jesus longs for people who are more than enthusiastic admirers. But people who are willing to follow. It's a great challenge. It's an interesting thing because see, fans can fade. They can wander away. They can get to a place where Jesus starts talking about challenging things and you go, I don't know, that, that doesn't really feel right. That doesn't feel good. That, doesn't, that makes this life challenging when you live it that way. And I think that's why Jesus wasn't very interested in fans. But he longed to have people who were following after him. In fact, he said these words a little bit earlier in Luke chapter six. He said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed a seal of approval. Then they ask him, so what must we do to do the works that God requires? What does God require of us, Jesus? And here's what Jesus said. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It's not about works. It's not about trying to figure out all the different things. It's not about trying to earn your way. 
It's about the work of God is this, to believe in the one that God has sent. That's where Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Will you come? Will you choose me? Will you follow after me? Will you place and, and actually make a decision of faith in a moment? See, what you're going to understand is Jesus never promised things would be super easy. Never did. What he promised is you'd never be alone. And we may not know the day that he would return. But the beautiful part of this is he already knows your name. And you know his. And the invitation for us is to become people who would say, when the line in the sand is drawn, am I gonna be a fan or am I gonna step across and be a follower? So the challenge tonight is real simple. Where are you at? What's the assessment of where you're at? Because you can be an enthusiastic admirer. You can be a really sold out fan with all the gear, but you're still a fan. Until you get to that place where you say, Jesus, I'm gonna surrender. And it's not just about my fanship or what the glory I get from it. It's about letting you be the leader of my life. So the challenge and the invitation for you and for me tonight is a couplefold. One is maybe you've never made that decision. And maybe you sit here and you're like, man, that guy's like went deep on that and got teary-eyed and what? Um, and maybe the challenge, real simple, is, hey, have you ever said yes to Jesus? And if not, why not? And if, why not, why not tonight? And so in a few moments, we're gonna create some space for communion. Create some space for maybe a second fold in this. I love what uh, Romans 10 talks about. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It, it makes it really simple. This isn't about flowery. This isn't about trying to get the right words. This is simply saying, yeah, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe he came back to life for the forgiveness of my sins and my brokenness to lead me forward in a life with God that I can't get on my own. That's the gospel. And if you've never said yes to that, then why not? And why not tonight? Now, for the second group here, you're probably a lot like me. I'm a follower with a lot of fan tendencies. you and so maybe the assessment for you tonight is simply saying have I slid more toward being a fan and do I need to put my money where my mouth is and actually slide back a little bit toward being a follower and so maybe during this communion time tonight as you take that bread as you take that juice. Remember, it was his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. That maybe you wanna take a few moments down here, down front. There's nothing special about the stage. They did a graduation here last week. But maybe for you, it's a moment between you and Jesus where you're saying, hey, 
I'm going to try to shed the jersey a little bit. I've been wearing that too much. And I'm going to put the sandals back on, and I'm going to follow you. And I want to realign my priorities. I want to realign my life. I want to realign whatever things may be out of whack, so to speak. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, here's the simple thing I'm going to ask you to do. In the quietness of your own seat, just to say yes to him. Just to say, man, I'm tired of living life on my own. I want, I want Jesus. And, and I would love to personally pray with you. And so while we take communion, I'm going to be down here by the table. If you want to come see me, I've got a Bible for you. I'd love to pray for you and encourage you. For the rest of us, while we take communion, I'm just going to give you space, maybe in the quietness of your seat. Maybe you want to do it down front. As we sing this song, you don't have to even sing. Maybe you just want to let these words wash over you. And, and you realign your own heart. God is looking for far more than enthusiastic admirers, friends. He doesn't want you to settle into a comfort zone. He wants to get you into a growth zone because he has a lot of things to do with your skill sets and your abilities and your talents and he wants to release those to bless the world. Sometimes we get way too comfortable. He's looking for people that will follow so close that the dust of the rabbi they follow will be upon them. He's looking for people who will know him and be known by him, not just know about. See, fans know about, but followers know. That's what he's seeking. And so take a moment to assess as we move into a time of communion. I'll close with some prayer here and invite you, wherever you might be, if you need to say yes to Jesus, then tonight's your night. Why not? Come see me. And if you want to just realign, have a moment, then during this worship song, during communion, you do that. You could do that down front. You could do that in your seat. But let's take a moment to maybe all picture that line in the sand. And where do you stand? Fan? follower. God, you love us. You love us in spite of ourselves. You love us. You promised, Jesus, that you are the bread of life. And, and what you meant by that is that you are the sustainer. You are the hope giver. You are the source of hope and forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. It's all found in you. And we can spend so much of our energy spinning our wheels trying to get it and find it somewhere else. And the truth is it's been with you all along. God, for some of us here, we just need to say yes to you. To stop holding the keys to our own life and actually turn it over to you. We need to become people who say, okay, I may not have it all figured out, but at least I'm gonna ride shotgun with Jesus and we'll see where this goes. For others of us, maybe we've been drifting wearing a lot of fan apparel. But in our heart of hearts, we've been sliding. And the source of hope and love we're trying to look for in other places instead of finding it in you. So would you help us to realign our hearts with you tonight? We love you. Holy Spirit, would you do work in our hearts as we worship in these next couple songs? God, would you stir us afresh and anew? 
We ask that in Jesus' name.